Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have an incredible guest for you today. She is an expert in mortgage technology, a guru in mortgage automation. She still even originates some loans every once in a while. She was awarded the Ellie Mae Hall of Fame for Excellence in Compliance Automation. Please help me welcome Jackie Finelli. Jackie, you are the automation architect at Equity Prime Mortgage. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here talking to you today. Oh, well, I am very excited. We've had some great tech discussions, and I can't wait for our listeners to hear all of the incredible insights that you have to share. Before we dive deep into those insights, because I know your passion will come through, tell our listeners who maybe don't know you a little bit about how you got in the mortgage industry and a little bit of your background. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got into the mortgage industry in 2002, just kind of fell into it like a lot of us, uh, fell in love with the hustle of the mortgage business um, and the intensity of it, really, and uh, had originated for many, many years. Um, somewhere around 2008, 9, 10, we all were, we may have been there, uh, kind of reinvented with a group of good friends that were going to kind of start their own thing. Um, and I came into that role having a lot of origination experience and closing loans. Back then, you processed your own loans as an originator, too. So had a lot of experience with the process um, and was really tasked with getting Encompass started and figuring out how to send disclosures and all the beautiful things that the LOS would do for us. Um, and that is really where I fell in love with the idea that we could put our brains into the system. Right, That a lot of the heavy lifting, the repetitive tasks, the papers we were all staring and comparing um, could really be digitized, as you speak of, right? And then later on, automated. And I really began a, a lifelong journey of automating everything I could get my hands on. Uh, and that excitement and, and doing that is kind of what led me to an amazing opportunity here to really focus and hone on that as the automation architect and really improving the manufacturing process, efficiency, ROI, all that jazz through technology. Awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to get in and hopefully our listeners can see your passion and feel your passion. That, that's why I love talking automation with you. All right. So you're an automation guru. And I say that because you and I have had in-depth discussions and I love how you think of tech and you have a great ability to see the big picture, not just one little aspect. So talk to me about the connection between technology, workflow efficiency, and ROI. Because oh. we can get all the techie as we want, but if you can't present that ROI to the powers to be, we know how most of those projects go then. So talk to me about that connection. Yeah, that's a huge uh, piece of it. And so I like to think at 80,000 feet, right? That's kind of how I, I roll. Uh, and I think that that's important when you're looking at technology and the ROI and the workflow, right? I think that we oftentimes want to get really micro with what we're automating and what we're doing. Like, I want to do this thing here, and I, that's cool, and that's great to identify what those micros are, right? But I think it's important, especially if you're in the beginning of this journey, to take a step up. I like to say, elevate the ask, right? What is the problem? Let's now elevate it to what's the macro solve, right? What is the macro solution for our company look like? Then it makes us easier to wisely identify the micros and also prioritize them, right? Because when you're talking about automation, it's a big word. 
Um, but one little piece of automation isn't going to give you the ROI that you're really looking for. It's the macro solving of that puzzle to piece it together that really is the efficiency and, and the return. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So when you look at it from a macro view, you have to understand how one department and one automation for one department could positively or negatively impact another department and another and another. And if you don't holistically see how those intertwine, issues can come up. So talk to me about how you kind of analyze that because I see you nodding, Shane. Yeah, there's a lot of times where people just thought they had the coolest automation or innovation on, let's say, the front end and blew up 20 things on the back end. Talk to our listeners about that. Yeah, that's when you get in the like, turn it off, turn it off, right? And then it gets <laughs> abandoned, totally. Um, yeah, so so what I found is it starts with, we have this problem, we need the solution, right? Whatever that, that question is, getting wise about the questions you ask and identify is, is your first step. But then once we identify that, that problem, it's really thinking about everywhere that that problem ticks through the process, right? And anybody that could touch that field, that problem, that area, and then understanding how do we need to deliver that, right? That's always got to be a part of the question. How are we delivering that? How are we selling that loan? How are we getting paid for it? What does it need to look like to our investors on delivery? And then backing that up through that entire everybody that touches it and understanding what everybody's needs are and being wise about where you do the thing you're going to do in that process. So lots of collaboration, lots of asking, but then also being able to step back and say, you know, Bob needs this, Susie needs this, Tom needs this. What works for everybody and delivers that loan for us clean, right? Because there is a way. If you get wise and elegant about where you're coding or where you're even putting simple trigger rules, there is a way to make everybody happy if you do your own work. Let's talk further. I love how you said you've got to ask good questions. And I think too many times, especially with new tech initiatives, somebody kind of gave a green light. So they want to dive right in into your point. If you don't ask good, insightful questions to really understand, instead of just driving innovation or automation down someone's throat, you're never going to really know what they truly need. So I think that is the key. And I hope our listeners are taking notes because Jackie's got great insights here. The second thing that I think you hinted upon, and I know you and I have discussed prior, is the importance of once you start holistically seeing that and understanding all the people that could be impacted, what can you start standardizing, right? Because you don't need 50 different workflows. You don't need a different workflow, let's say, for wholesale and for you know purchase business and FHA and this. There's certain functions that are the same no matter what. So how do you kind of get buy-in and, and kind of break down the barriers of the people that want to, this is our workflow, this is how we do it in wholesale, or this is how we do it in uh, retail, or yeah. walk me through that. Yeah, so it starts again with asking the wise questions, right? Knowing your audience, knowing their pain points, knowing what they love about what they're using right now. Like, hey, identify that. If people love it and it ain't broke, don't fix it. Work around it, right? Build around that because you've now identified that that's a good place that people really hang on to it and use well in their workflow. Um, so it's understanding their need, right? It's then building the the build that is going to supply all their needs. And it's going to, you're going to be able to show them and tell them in the rollout, these are the needs that you said you had, and this is how we're addressing them. Because your people are 
your best window into what you need to do for your business. They know what takes them so long. They know what the repeatable tasks are uh, that drain their time and then just delivering that because that's going to allow you to scale and close more volume um, through your people. Two questions that I want to ask you about that I think all tech people struggle with if they're brutally honest is user adoption and overcoming the fear of change. How do you, how do you start working and attacking that from an enterprise level? Because you could have the coolest automation, you could have asked the right questions, and if people are scared of change, there's usually very low user adoption. How do we kind of combat that? Yeah, so so leadership helps, right? We're embracing the future. This is the reason that this is good for the business. This is the why we're doing it. We're not just trying to make your life miserable. We're not trying to automate you out of a role, right? We're trying to give you tools. Um, you know, we, we really are trying to provide tools here for our users um, at EPM. We're not trying to automate away the entire factory, right? Um, but something else, and this is a little bit of a sales hat, you know, you know mind frame is you're going to run into it. Like, it's going to happen. Do the best you can do on communicating well the whys you're doing this for people and, and the benefits that you're trying to give them. Don't just go into it talking about the cool tech. Like, they're going to feel how cool the tech is, right? Nobody has to sell you on how much you love Instagram. <laughs> just show them what it does, right? And then they should love it. They should embrace it over time and be willing to hold their hand. You know, I'm willing to get on the phone with a user and walk through the technology that we rolled out any time of the day because they need that help. They need your help to adopt the technology that you're going to roll. That is so true. And I think when you said sometimes you have to put on your sales hat, I think the other mistake that some tech uh, individuals make is they only put that sales hat on to try to get buy-in from the people that they're rolling this system out for. But you also got to sell to the leadership, right? Because they're looking for the ROI. They want to make sure that it's a good investment. So how do you sell upward and downward, and what are some of your tips or advice for other technologists in your position? So this is another real LO sales trick, but present a solution. Like sales, people, we all get caught up in sales so much, and it's the word, and it's the way, and it's how you say it. Like, no, like present the solution that's going to work for your business. Do research. Uh, one of my projects, I loved talking with our CFO identifying, hey, we could rewrite this contract in a better way for our company, and it is going to give us a better ROI. We're still getting the same technology. You know, leaders don't want to just see what the new shiny toy is. Trust me, they're everywhere. There's so many shiny toys, right? It's about what works for you. And to that point, you get on demos and you're asking, how are other companies using this? How do you see other companies winning with your technology? Ask them how you're going to win with your technology, how they're going to help you implement that technology to your company and your brand, because we're all skinning the same cat, but there are a lot of different ways that we go about it within the workflow, within the manufacturing process. So really presenting something that you've done the research, this is going to help our company, this is why, this is how I see it saving us money, this is how I see it improving workflow, this is how I see it protecting time, because time's more valuable than money. So that's another resource to, to think about, and I think people don't. Great points, Jackie. I hope everyone's taking notes. Uh, I, I could do this discussion for hours. So I got a couple more that I want to address, though. Topic that I'm very passionate about is, even though I coach a lot of people on growth, I'm a big believer that if you, especially in the mortgage industry, if you don't master the art of manufacturing alone, you're always going to be stunted by how far you can grow. The question is, if I'm talking to a sole originator or a branch manager, the question I always start with is, 
if I dropped 50 loans on your lap today, what would happen? And they all look at me and say, blow up. The reason it blows up is they don't have systems. And I know you and I have talked about manufacturing alone. Talk to me from your view how important it is to unify that manufacturing of a loan process through all of the competing interests throughout the company. Yeah. So again, taking it up 80,000 feet, right? If you put yourself in the Model T factory, right? First manufacturing line that ever happened in the world. Well, whatever. Uh, the person here knows how that thing is getting handed to them. And they know what they're supposed to do with the thing. And then they are passing it to this guy in the same way every time. And that is the key to manufacturing. And if you put yourself in the loan officer seat, the processor seat, the underwriter, the clearer, the closer, the funder, the sell. If you put yourself in every seat and think, if I knew how that was coming to me, every way standardized, and of course there's ebb and flow, right? There's things that happen. Exactly. Intense and fun. Uh, but <laughs> if I can standardize 90% of what's coming on to me, and I can standardize 90% of how I pass that on, how much more can we do? And I think that that's where you sit and you think, and then you identify, and then you start asking the right questions to your team. Awesome stuff. All right, let me jump to another topic that you and I have talked about with automation. There's a lot of cool stuff happening with underwriting and on the back end with automation. Talk to me about some of the tools, some of the things you're seeing out there. I, we've even talked about some past guests and what they have to offer. So the floor is yours. Tell me about some of the cool things you see on that front. First of all, it's, it's so cool, right? Like I have been in business since 2002. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would have automated underwriting things happening when I was pre-approved on a loan up front, right? Like that was a person I had to bother to look at this pay stub. So uh, first of all, amazing, period, where our industry has come to, right? Where the thought process has taken us to. Um, we have recently rolled out Candor with great success. Uh, currently, they are only underwriting conventional loans, but they plan to get into the govies very soon. Um, and it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to be able to deliver a approval to your client immediately up front. It's phenomenal to be able to tap out and use the technology resources immediately to get verifications and things and not even have to ask my client for income documentations, right? Uh, you know, ICE is also working on automated underwriting. It seems that the entire industry is starting to say, how can we read these findings better up front, identify them, use, again, third-party data analytics technology to start clearing things, clearing conditions for our loan. The rest of the world is doing it, right? It's time for our industry to catch up. Right. Well, and how do we use that direct data sources? And hopefully what comes of this is we start lowering the cost of originating a loan, right? I mean, that's one of the things you look at all the technology and how much more technology, I mean, from cell phones, I have so much power in my cell phone that I did six years ago and the cost hasn't gone up that much but you look at originating a loan and we still really haven't done a great job of lowering that, even though there's all this new technology. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what you fall into the ROI, right? You fall into the ROI by streamlining the process and making the process more efficient. I mean, it's common sense. If it takes 10 days less to close that loan, you're spending less money. If it's a one-touch CTC on 35% of your pipeline, you're spending a lot less money, right? You're spending a lot less time. You're delivering good loans to your clients and to your investors quicker with more ease of work. And you're allowing that one underwriter to underwrite, I'm making this number up, but 200 loans, maybe, instead of 50 loans a month, right? It, it's that tool. Uh, it's the bicycle. You know, our El Presidente, Phil Mancuso, talks about uh, a Steve Jobs video where they talk about giving 
um, a man a bicycle and comparing that to the flight of the condor and how man was way behind that condor before we got the bicycle, right? It's an incredible <laughs> YouTube. It's out there. It's Steve Jobs. Look it up. Um, but the bicycle was the tool of man to excel. And technology is the tool for our industry to excel. And you either choose to do that or you don't. Oh, so many good stuff, Jackie. I, I hope everyone, like I said, is taking good notes. You and I are going to keep talking automation as much as I can. I only got a few more minutes of your time. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about, though, and it's something that I think is critical and I know you share in the same passion is the importance of mentorship in bringing on the next generation of tech leaders, right? I mean, I'm not getting any younger. You can see my hair's going and it's grayer than it should be. So what do we need to do as an industry and how can we continue to mentor and encourage that next generation of people who are going to think of and develop things that you and I never even thought were even capable of happening? Yeah. Um, listen to them. Like, listen to your technology team and, and gauge your technology team to the point, and when I say that, I mean, you know, this is an example, right? You're bringing me up. You're being on your podcast. I'm like geeking out all morning, right? I've been listening <laughs> to you for years. The fact that we even talk automation together is something I really geek out about, and now I'm here. And in turn, I just took a young man out to dinner that's 25, or 27, and the CTO of his smaller mortgage company. And, you know, I also am looking, I'm not the youngest guy, girl in the room anymore, right? And <laughs> but there, so there's, there's wisdom in the generations before us, there's wisdom in the seat you're in, but then there's also wisdom in the up and coming. Like, if you don't know what an NFT is, talk to somebody that does, and maybe you wanna also ask them about what's next in your technology, because you might not know, and they might. And just collaboration of everyone that you can pick their brains um, and encouragement, empowerment of the people next to you. It's not a competition. We're in this game together. Oh, I love it. It is not a competition. We are definitely in this together. And I think we can learn from so many different people. Yes, from the generations before us, but this new generation, they've grown up with technology. It's intuitive to them. A lot of times people say, well, this is what we need this app to do or mobile. And you hand it to them. And if it's not intuitive to them, we miss the mark, right? Because if they can't pick it up and just do the five things we said were so easy to do, it's probably not as cool or as easy to do as we thought it would be. And like you said, NFTs or what's going to happen with the metaverse and this, all of those things we've got to keep learning. Jackie, I can't thank you enough. You are a wealth of knowledge. You are welcome back to the show anytime. I look forward to seeing you out in ICE uh, in a week or two. Uh, we'll get together and, and share some more automation stories. But thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you so much, sir. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it.